0: Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Uh, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash simulcast. Buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Uh, if you're on good pods, you can go ahead and go to the tip jar and leave a tip. All are appreciated. You can leave a review at... Uh, Podchaser, you can leave a review for the episode you're listening to or for the show as a whole, Um, and you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and somebody said you can leave a review on Stitcher, but, (laughs) so, I still have questions, Um, we're on book four of the cartel, Um, and I hope that they go ahead and answer some of the questions soon, because, yeah. Does Mia still have both of her hands? Chapter 3. You're in Miami, bitch. And me familiare quisiera matatu tu lentamente. What the fuck? Hold on. Me familiare quisiera matar tu lentamente. Yeah, that. Breeze. Look. So I know that y'all feel like you have to, and this is me, sorry. I know that y'all feel like you have to do something to keep people wanting to come back to your books. But um, this whole um, evanescence thing, you know, bring me back to life. Y'all got to stop that. Okay. Like y'all can't retcon this whole thing because you literally have these niggas in heaven. Look what you did to me, Breeze screamed as she stood over Iliana, the woman who had almost taken her life. If she almost took your life, then why are you in heaven? I hope they talk about that. I do, honestly. I hope they discuss what they saw in heaven. Her shirt was open and a long scar ran from her sternum to her navel. It bubbled gruesomely and its red hue stood out against her bright skin. It was the only imperfection on the perfectly pampered Diamond Princess. You know, except for the track marks and the, the just scars from the life that she was forced to live when she got kidnapped. But we don't talk about that. New book, new time, new me. It was her war wound. A reminder that she had been involved in one of the worst street beasts that Miami had ever seen. It suits you. I just wish I had cut a little deeper. Then you wouldn't be standing here right now, Iliana replied slickly as she spit at Breeze's feet. Breeze looked down at the now-ruined Giuseppe pumps. Breeze hauled off and slapped Iliana, causing her head to snap violently to the right. The two goons who held Iliana in place didn't flinch as they stopped Iliana from lunging at Breeze, restraining her by the arms. My family is going to kill you. Ileana said with a sneer as she jerked against the two goons who held her in place. Wait, 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 what? Wait, you're in Miami, bitch. Wait, how? Why'd she go back to Miami? Why aren't they in Brazil? I thought they ran away from Miami for their lives. Like if Ileana hopped on the plane and tried to kill you in Brazil, that means she's in Brazil too, so just get off the plane and fuck a nigga up. Bree smiled mockingly and replied, no, dear. I think you have that the wrong way around. Let me put this in a way you can understand. This isn't Mexico. You're in Miami, bitch. And So if you're like me and you took French in high school even though you live directly above Mexico, let me help you out. That means my family will like to kill you. Slowly. I mean, I don't know which family because Mecca's dead and um, I don't know who's even running whatever she's doing up in Miami because as far as we know, Carter is still in Brazil with Mia Moore standing at his Mia door. So the threat of a slow death at the hands of the cartel was enough to instill fear in Ileana's cold heart. Her face drained of all color. She blinked away tears. Zaire stepped up and placed a hand on the smaller Breeze's back. It's time to go. You don't need to see what's about to occur, Zaire said. He kissed the back of Breeze's neck and she turned to face him. Make it hurt, Breeze said. She put her Burberry glasses on her face and then walked out of the warehouse with a model's precision. Ileana's eyes followed Breeze and her temper flared. The click-clack of Breeze's stilettos taunted her. You bitch! You fucking bitch! She shouted. Zaire nodded his head to the goons as he rolled up his sleeves patiently. His face tense and focused for the upcoming task at hand. Hoist her from the rafters and find me a steel pipe. The goons dragged her away kicking and screaming. And cover the floor in plastic. It's going to get messy. Ileana had almost taken everything from Zaire. Zaire. And now, he was going to turn her into a human piñata. He had goons to put in this type of work. But this was the death sentence that he personally wanted to deliver. Why? I mean, I understand why after what happened with Mecca where he literally left Fabian to stumble and fumble to let Mia Moore go. But that was a dream. You don't know nothing about that. The humid, salty air blew through Breeza's short hair as she whipped through the Miami streets. Little Breeze Diamond had done a lot of growing. It was no longer the naive little girl her father had once shielded from the streets. Unlike most, she had seen the other side. She knew what it felt like to die. The doctors had narrowly saved her after being stabbed up by Eliana. She had coded five times before they finally put her in a medically induced coma. She had sat at a table with her dead loved ones, but it hadn't been her time to take her seat yet. God gave her another chance at life. Consequently, Breeze just wanted to live. So God welcomed you into heaven and then you had to go back down and the first thing you do was murder a nigga. Okay. She knew that she would never be able to do that as long as Ileana breathed. The world wasn't large enough for the both of them. So when Zaire asked her what she wanted him to do about it, Breeze put in the order of extermination. She fucked with the wrong one, Breeze thought. Breeze had been through way too much to remain the same. Her eyes had witnessed death in too many ways and it had changed her. It made her realize that the lifestyle that her father, brothers, and even her mother had led was more dangerous. They weren't living the lifestyles of the rich and famous. They were living the life of American gangsters and she had learned the hard way to move accordingly. Breeze's fingers lightly touched a still painful scar. It was tender to touch and it brought tears to her eyes. She was so grateful to be alive. To have had a second chance to love a man like Zaire for a lifetime humbled her. He was her everything. And now, you know, we we have the attachment. Just like, I have no life without this man. That this, Mia Moore has already done it. Lena did it. And now she's doing it. Nothing could ever tear her away from that man. Not even an envious, conniving force like Ileana. You lose, bitch, Breeze thought. She pulled into the driveway of her oceanfront double via and placed her car in park. Why are you there? Shouldn't y'all be running for your lives? What happened to change that? I mean, you got Iliana, which means they're still in Miami looking for you. So why? What? Her head spun as she thought of all that her family had been through. Thinking of the pieces of her life that she had lost, her chest became heavy. The Diamond family had once been so strong, so close, but outside forces had come in and annihilated them. Yeah, an outside force called Mecca. Rest in love, she thought. She gripped her steering wheel and lowered her head as she began to cry. The cartel was in transition, and Zaire was the new head of state. Breeze had just been crowned the new queen, and it excited and frightened her simultaneously. The last thing she wanted was to be someone else's target in another war. And as Zaire's wife, she was vulnerable. She hoped that he would keep her protected and untouchable to the street's ills. A knock at the window alarmed her, and she quickly wiped her eyes as she turned to see Lena holding her nephew, Monroe II, in her arms. Breeze exited her car and gave Lena a smile and quickly scooped the baby from her. Okay, I gotta check to make sure I'm reading the right book. Um, chapter three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the cartel. Book four. Yeah, I'm reading the right book. Why did they skip past so much stuff? What happened when Lena landed in Brazil and found out that Mecca was dead before she even touched down? What happened with murder being in Brazil? Why are we back in Miami? (sighs) Just to grab lunch. You want to join us? It looks like you could use a sangria or two or three, Lena said with a charmingly beautiful smile. Lena had become a part of the family. She held the only connection left to Monroe. She had borne his son and that immediately endeared her to the cartel. She was kept and protected as if her last name was Diamond as well. Breeze even welcomed Lena into her home so she wouldn't miss a beat of her nephew's life. The women had become closer than close. Lena helped Breeze balance out the testosterone heavy cartel. She was like the sister Breeze never had. The sound of her cell phone ringing caused her to pause. I'll get the baby set up in the car while you take your call, Lena said. Breeze looked down at the screen and didn't recognize the number. She immediately scented the voicemail, but when the number called back, her curiosity was piqued. Who is this? she asked, knowing that only a select few had her number. It's your grandfather. Breeze's breath caught in her throat at the sound of Estes' voice. She missed him dearly but had mixed emotions towards him because of his refusal to supply Zaire and Carter. He had been the connect who kept the cartel strong while her father reigned, but things had gone stale after her father's death. Her grandfather refused to supply the cartel with young Carter and Zaire as its leaders, and consequently, his relationship with Breeze hadn't been the same since. "'Hello, Estes,' she replied. "'I need to meet with you immediately.' Come to my estate tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock. Immediately come to my estate tomorrow. Immediately. Tomorrow. Immediately right now. Yes. Immediately tomorrow. No. It's imperative, Breeze. Do not be late. Bitch, I can come by now. Immediately. Come upstairs immediately means come upstairs. Not tomorrow. At 8. Breeze stood there, dumbfounded by the unexpected call, as she heard the dial tone blare in her ear. His instructions were clear, and he gave away no clues as to what she should expect. One thing for sure was that when Estes called, there was usually a storm brewing. Breeze just hoped that her family could withstand whatever blow he was about to deliver. Chapter 4 He is dead to the world. Not us. Estes. As young Carter looked around the round table. He saw his family. Although his body was there physically, his mind was a thousand miles away. Visions of his Mia clouded his thoughts, her scent, her face, and the thoughts of all the deceptions she had been a part of. He looked around the table and saw all of the family he had left, which was Zaire and Breeze. The sound of the French doors opening interrupted his thoughts. All eyes shot to the entryway and the tension in the room was so thick that it could have been cut with a knife. As the remaining members of the Diamond family sat at the table, no one said a word. They were all clueless and wondering what was the cost for the meeting called by Estes. Estes, with the walking cane in his right hand, slowly walked towards the table and took a seat at the head of it. Everyone's attention was on Estes as he pulled out a cigar and lit it, taking his time as he usually did. He slowly puffed on the Cuban until it was well lit and blew out a cloud of smoke. I want to thank everyone for coming this evening. I called this meeting to make an announcement. I made a very important decision a couple years back, Estes said as he took his time with his words, enunciating every syllable. I made a decision to keep a secret from the family, and, looking around the table, I believe I made the right call, he stated. The room was so quiet you could have heard a pin drop. Everyone was wondering what Estes was about to say. However, the anticipation wouldn't last long. Just as the last words slipped out of Estes' mouth, in came Monroe Money Carter. He had missed a beat. He walked in in a three-piece Armani suit with the model's posture. His face was clean-shaven, just as he always kept it, displaying a strong jawbone and smooth skin. Everyone's heart dropped as they saw the familiar face appear. Breeze let a small gasp escape as she put her hand over her lips. It was as if she had seen a ghost. She actually thought she was seeing a ghost, seeing that she had buried her brother years ago. It was too unreal to her. Money walked directly to Breeze and she stood up. Money was slightly taller than she, and he looked down at his sister. They stared directly into each other's eyes, both not knowing what to say. What could a person say after going through what they had been through? Before Money slipped into a coma, his whole family was alive and well. Fast forward years later, everyone was gone. Monroe, Breeze whispered as she gently cupped the right side of the space. Oh my God, it's really you, she said as she shook her head in disbelief. Her brother, Twin of Mecca, was there in the flesh. Monroe was back. It seemed like Money had an instant flashback when he saw his sister's eyes. The horrible night that put him in the coma resurfaced to his memory when he saw his baby sister. Five years prior. Really? We're doing this shit again? Okay, fine. Fine. If you want to do it, I can fucking do it too. I don't even give a fuck. Hold, please. Money drove Mecca's Lamborghini down the highway towards Lena's home. Money hated driving Mecca's cars. In his eyes, they were way too flashy and drew too much attention. He glanced over at Lena, who was crying quietly, wishing she had never come out for the night. Money wanted so badly to be with Lena, but he couldn't betray his brother in that way. He gently ran his hand over her cheek and wiped away her teary eyes, trying to comfort her. Mecca doesn't mean any harm. I mean, except for the harm he did when he actually hit you in the face with his hand and then blamed you for all the shit that happened in that club and shot a nigga because they were dancing too close to you. But other than that, you know, he saw it. He does love you. He just has a fucked up temper, not me. He sure has a fucked up way of showing he loves me, Lena said, tears streaming down her face. She kissed Money's hand as he rubbed her cheek. Money thought Lena was crying because of what Mecca had just done to her. But that was the farthest thing from her mind at that point. The tears were coming from the thought of her knowing that she and Money never could be. Lena placed her hand on her stomach as she melted in Money's hand. She had found out that morning that she was three weeks pregnant with his child. She knew it was money's because she hadn't been intimate with Mecca in months. He had been too busy to satisfy her lately. She decided to have an abortion and take her secret to her grave, but the pressure was too much to handle by herself. She had to tell money. Money? I'm pregnant. Lena said almost in a whisper. What? Money asked, he swerved in traffic, not believing what he had just heard. I said, I'm pregnant, Money, and it's your baby. What are you talking about? How do you know it's mine? It ain't mine. I strapped up every time I was with you. Come on, niggas, come on. Like... I know there's a script that y'all read every single time that somebody says that they're pregnant and you got to play this role but for real like dude you literally didn't have a condom when you were at her penthouse or when you were at her apartment after you picked her up from the dope spot literally so you don't strap up every time that's a hole in that theory right there plus you should strap up every time if you're cheating with your what if you're cheating with your brother's girl You should probably have a condom every single time. Just a thought. I know it's yours because you're the only person I've been with. Mecca and I haven't done anything in months. I know it's yours. Remember that night after them niggas tried to rob Mecca? Lena asked, referring to the last time they had made love without using protection. Money kicked himself inside, knowing the time she was talking about. He was so caught up in the moment, he had slid up in a raw. Fuck! He hit the steering wheel out of frustration. The guilt began to set in as Money thought about how he had betrayed his best friend and twin brother. They're the same person, his best friend and his twin brother. He didn't betray two people. I, I figure y'all know that, but still, just be safe. I love you, Lena. Mecca whispered just before he lowered his face to his table Twin held a line of cocaine. See, one thing that my wife pointed out is that they don't, they stuff a lot of people into these uh, chapters and don't really give you time to, like, they don't say a name above it or, or dot, dot, dot or anything like that. So then you know that they're switching over to another person. So it actually gives you like a whiplash as they just jump from person to person. We literally went from the guilt began to set in as money thought about how he betrayed his best friend and twin brother. You turn the page, the next thing is, I love you, Lena. Mecca whispered just before he lowered his face to his table to inhale the line of cocaine. Also, what the fuck is you, G-Money? Are you about to marry the the pipe now, nigga? Is that what we doing? You sniffing cocaine? You snorting cocaine? Can you sniff cocaine? Cocaine. It's a lighter version of cocaine. Cocaine is made by Colgate. That made no sense. I'm ashamed of myself. As soon as Breeze had dropped him off, his conscience began eating at him. He felt bad for putting his hands on the only woman he had ever truly loved. His long hair was wild and unbraided, which made him look like a madman as he used his nose as a suction vacuum for his preferred drug. Mecca threw his head back and held it up to prevent his nose from running. Mecca was high out of his mind. He had snorted five grams of coke within 20 minutes and the effect of the drug were kicking in. He grabbed the bottle of Remy Martin and took a large swallow of it. He distinctly heard a Tupac song pump out of his home stereo and recognized the tunes. He stood up almost stumbling and went over to turn the music up. All I need in this life to is my girlfriend Down the rise to the bloody Mecca held the bottle of Remy in his grasp and drunkenly rapped along, thinking of his love, Lena. He couldn't take it anymore. He had to go over to her and make things right. Although he had treated her bad at times, he really was in love with her, and she was the only woman that he had truly ever loved. Mecca staggered over to the keys his Ben's and snatched him off the counter. He was about to confess his love for Lena. Lena, I love you, baby. I'm sorry he said as he stumbled out the door and into his bins to go see his woman. I don't know what to do, Money. I'm in love with the man that I can't have, Lena said as tears streamed from her eyes. She sat on her sofa across from Money, expressing how she felt about him. Money was speechless as he looked into Lena's eyes and realized the feeling was mutual. He began to slowly shake his head, knowing that what they had done was wrong. His father had taught him that family always came first and that loyalty was the single most important thing a man could have for his family. Money's father's teachings were embedded in his brain as his heart and mind played tug-of-war. On one hand, he knew the betraying his brother was wrong, but on the flip side, not taking responsibility for what he had created would eat at him. His father had also told him that abortion was wrong and that a real man takes care of his family by any means necessary. Money was lost. Lena, this ain't right. This ain't right. Money mumbled as he buried his face in his palms. All he could think about was his twin brother. Money had no other choice but to force an abortion upon Lena. He wasn't willing to let a woman come between him and his sibling. That's my flesh and blood. My brother. Blood in, blood out. I can't let her have that baby. Money thought as he looked at Lena, crying her eyes out, which is why it's fortunate for you that she wants to get an abortion anyway and not tell you about it. See how these things work out? But I understand you just have it in your mind that women, I'm sorry, females are just dying to have a baby at like the age of 21 you know change their whole lives and alter all their life plans and all that because now that they have a, a a fetus or even a cell inside of them they're just going to drop everything and become a parent whether you want them to or not at the age of 21 that's how all these women are right and you just like you know what I don't fuck with kids right now but i you know i'm family with somebody that i've been cheating on you know but you can't have this baby bitch she don't want to have the baby she wasn't even going to tell you Sound real bad right now. He sat next to her so that he could console her. He ran his fingers through her hair and gently put his finger under her chin and made her look at him in the eyes. Lena, we're going to get through this. Together. He returned a deep stare at Lena. We can't have this baby, though. It's wrong. I never wanted it to be like this, Lena told him, heartbroken. Everything's going to be okay. But this between us has to stop. Money gently kissed Lena on the lips. Money's lips were magic to Lena. Just by his touch, he drove Lena wild. She felt her friend in between her legs begin to thump. And before she knew it, her hands were in his pants looking for his rod. She gently began to stroke it, to make it grow. Money promised himself this would be the last time he would have sex with his forbidden love. All I need in this world is sin, Mecca sung drunkenly as he approached Lena's house. He was going to apologize to his woman and make things right. When he pulled up, he noticed his Lamborghini parts in her driveway. Money's still here? He asked himself as he pulled two houses down from Lena's house. He threw the car in park, grabbed the half-empty bottle of Remy and hopped out. Mecca staggered to Lena's house and noticed the front light was on. He walked in front of the house, and what he saw through the front glass made his heart drop. Mecca dropped the Remy bottle, causing it to shatter into pieces on the sidewalk. He saw his twin brother passionately kissing his woman. He watched as money pulled out one of Lena's big brown breasts and began to suck on it. Mecca was in complete shock as he watched Lena straddle his brother his eyes bugged out as he saw his brother rub on Lena's behind with one hand while removing her thong with the other. What the fuck? Mecca walked closer to the front glass and witnessed the treachery happening. Okay. Cool. He's seeing this. It sucks, but okay. I have a question. So, when Mecca got driven home by Breeze and started snorting cocaine, at the same time, he was Being taken home. Money and Lena were on their way to Lena's apartment or penthouse, whatever it is. So these paths are now going in opposite directions. So while Lena is being apologized to by money for Mecca's behavior, Mecca's at home snorting cocaine and drinking, right? These two things are parallel, right? These are parallel paths just because you stop telling the story of money and Lena to talk about Mecca now dancing to me and my girlfriend does not mean that these two things, it's not Mecca um, gets driven home and then Lena gets driven home and then Mecca's doing drugs and then Money's talking to Lena and then Mecca is um, singing to Tupac and Lena is telling Money about being pregnant. That's not how this happens. These two things are happening in a parallel. They're happening at the same time. So how the fuck this nigga get here before this conversation was over? Before they finished having sex? How the fuck did he get there? Right? Water having sex. That makes no sense from a timeline standpoint. It can't happen that way. These two things are happening at the same exact time and just because you write them back to back does not mean that they're separate incidents unless this nigga lives directly across the street, which does not make sense. How does nigga make it there so quickly? Does anybody want to answer that for me? I know we get caught up in writing the story and we want to make it as exciting and as heartfelt and all that kind of stuff as possible. And I know that this part had to happen for plot point reasons. I know it had to happen, but make it make sense pops. Make it make sense to me. How is he, how is money thinking about how he betrayed his best friend and his twin brother while Mecca is lowering his face to the cocaine? Like, Lena has already told Money that she was pregnant by him while Mecca is snorting the cocaine. And then he grabs a bottle and takes a drink. And then he stumbles to his home stereo and turns on Tupac and starts singing Me and My Girlfriend. Then he stumbles out the house and he goes to see Lena. Okay, cool. Now at this point in time, at the same exact time that this is happening, Lena should be telling Money... I've always been in love with you. And this is where they start having sex. Miami is a big fucking area. If you're driving to see her and that was it. They don't indicate where she lives at, but they say that she lives on the ocean side. So I'm thinking that, you know, it's not close to where they live. These two things cannot be happening. So- okay. That don't make no sense. That's what I'm going to leave it at. That don't make no goddamn sense. I don't like that at all. Money and Lena were so into one another that they didn't notice Mecca staring at them through the large front glass. And Lena's moans could be heard from the outside as she rode Monroe with more passion than she had ever ridden Mecca. Mecca's sadness instantly turned to rage as he reached for his gun and headed for the front door. Seconds later, bullets from his forty caliber pistol were ripping through the wood of the front door. Lena scrambled to the corner of the room out of fear. She didn't know what was going on, and Money grabbed his pistol from his waist and pointed it at the door. Then he saw Mecca burst through the front door, tears in his eyes. Mecca, Lena yelled as she saw the look in his eyes. She knew that their sequel was out of the bag. Mecca pointed his gun at Lena. He screamed, I can't believe you, bitch. Money put away his gun and tried to calm down his brother. Mecca, put the gun down. It's not what it looked like, he tried to explain. It's not what it looked like. Nigga, fuck you. Mecca pointed his gun at his brother. The two people he thought he could trust were the very ones deceiving him. He pulled the hammer back on his gun and aimed it at his brother's head. Money put both of his hands up and tried to reason with him. He knew his brother very well, and when he looked in Mecca's eyes, it was obvious he was high as a kite. Bro, listen. Put the motherfucking gun down. You high. Now stop before you do something you're going to regret. The only thing I regret is fucking with this stankin' hoe. Mecca pointed his gun back at Lena. The thought of her being intimate with his brother sent him over the edge. I hate you! Mecca screamed as he put both of his hands on his head and his tears began to fall freely. I loved you. Mecca whispered just before he pointed the gun at Lena and let out two rounds. He watched the bullets rip through her chest and she fought for air. No! Money yelled as he rushed over to Lena and cradled her in his arms. Breathe, Lena. Breathe! He instructed her as blood oozed out of her mouth. Lena fought for her dear life as she gripped Money's hand and looked into his eyes. Breathe, Lena, Money screamed as he tried to keep her from slipping away. Call an ambulance! He looked back at Mecca, who was pacing the room with both of his hands on his head. Mecca whispered, Oh my God, what have I done? He frantically continued to pace the room. He looked over at his brother and Lena, and what he saw and heard broke his heart. Lena was taking her last breath, but before she slipped away, she looked Money in his eyes and whispered, I love you, Monroe Carter, just before she stared into space, leaving this earth. A single tear slid down Money's face, and he felt Lena's grip suddenly loosen. He knew that she was gone. A tear fell from Mecca's eye also, but it wasn't one of sorrow, but a tear of rage. See, it shouldn't say that, but it wasn't one of sorrow, it was a tear of rage would be just fine. A tear fell from Mecca's eye also, but it wasn't one of sorrow, but one of rage. That's what it should say, not but a tear of rage. He had just witnessed a woman he loved tell his brother that she loved him. Her last words were that she loved you, not me, he whispered as he slowly raised his gun and pointed it at money. Money ran his hand over Lena's eyelids to close them, And then he gently kissed her forehead before he turned his attention on his brother. Does that really work? That whole running your hands gently over somebody's face to make their eyes close Does that work? I mean, if I got my eyes open, not, I I guess. Because if I got my eyes open, what I'm really doing is I'm not rubbing my eyelids down. I'm actually pushing down on my eyebrows. Like, there's no cool way to do that. Hold on, I'm going to go try it on my son. All right, shit don't work. I tried it out and it don't work. I tried it on my wife. I tried it on my daughter. I didn't try it on my son. He's playing the game. But I tried it. Shit don't work. As a matter of fact, two out of two people said, what the fuck are you doing? And two out of two people kept their eyes open like it doesn't work. Fuck that bullshit. Mecca put the gun down. Money put his hands in front of him. He knew his brother was unstable. You always thought you were better than me, nigga. You could have had any woman you wanted, but you had to take minds. Now look at you. Look what you made me do. Look, Papa and Ma always favored you over me. Mecca's tears fell freely down his face, and his hand began to shake. He remembered what his parents used to say when he would get in trouble and began to mimic them. You need to be more like Monroe. Monroe wouldn't act like that he said, his voice shaky. As all of his emotions boiled over, Mecca looked money in the eye and let off a single shot that entered the left side of his chest where his heart resided. Monroe heard the gunshot, but didn't believe his own flesh and blood had shot him. As the burning sensation in his chest settled in, he fell to the ground and his life slowly slipped away. High out of his mind, Mecca watches his brother lay dying in a puddle of his own blood. Y'all have no idea how much time I just saved by not reading that bullshit again. And yes, I'm leaving you in the commentary because that shit still doesn't make any goddamn sense. But I literally just shaved like 20 minutes. So I'll take it. If they want to be lazy and they want to keep cutting and pasting parts of their books in there, I'm going to keep cutting and pasting parts of my show in there. We could both do this all day long. What you want to do, nigga? Estes and Taryn looked at Monroe through the clear glass and watched as he struggled for his life. They had registered him under John Doe to be cautious. They were in the middle of a war and didn't want to take any chances. Estes held his daughter Taryn in his arms as she wept like a baby. To see her son in the hospital bed with tubes stuck down his mouth was very frightening. I already lost my husband to this war with the Haitians. I can't lose my son, Papa. Please, Lord. She pleaded as she crumbled in his arms. Estes hated being so powerless and wished he could change the situation. But it was in God's hands at that point. Estes wanted revenge on the Haitians badly. But at his old age, he understood that he wasn't built for war. They watched as the doctor observed him closely and exited the room. As he entered the hallway, he headed straight to Estes and taran I have good news and bad news for you guys, the older Caucasian man said as he used his index finger to balance his glasses on the bridge of his nose. Estes took a deep breath and took a step forward. While one hand was still over Taryn's shoulder, he prepared himself for whatever the doctor would say. The good news is that he's going to make it, the doctor said, cutting straight to the point. Thank God, Taryn whispered as she put her hand on her chest in relief. The doctor closed his eyes, as if what he was about to say hurt him to say it. However, he has slipped into a coma, he said. What? A coma? Taryn asked as she felt her knees get weak and almost give out on her. How long? Estes asked. That's something we don't know. Well, duh, it's a fucking coma. They can't be like, well, he went down like ten minutes ago. So usually, my nigga, when they're in a coma, they usually sleep for like Two days. Maybe three. Don't even worry about it, dog. Just go to Cross Jr. and come back. He'll be good. That's something we don't know. It could be a couple hours, years, or never. It all depends, the doctor said. Estes turned to his daughter and hugged her tightly. I can't do this anymore, Papa. I can't lose my son, she stated as she cried inconsolably. Estes' mind began to race. He knew that it was only the beginning of the bloodshed and heartache. He knew that the Haitians were coming for blood and wouldn't stop until one side was completely gone. With Big Carter gone, he knew the odds were not in their favor. He, at that moment, made a decision for the sake of his bloodline. Monroe was dead, he said as he grabbed Taryn by both of her shoulders and looked into her eyes. What? Terran asked, confused. I'm confused too. Like, how does that stop the bloodshed? How does that actually end the war? How does that do anything? (sighs) She looked over at Monroe through the glass and saw that he was still breathing and didn't understand what Estes was talking about. He's dead to the world, not us. I have to make a decision for the family and for our bloodline. This has gone too far and it's only going to get worse. The Haitians will not stop until everyone in this family is destroyed. Monroe can't defend himself, so I have to do it for him. Taryn looked into her father's eyes and saw him tearing up. She had never once in her life witnessed that from her father. A man who possessed so much power and so much strength had finally let his emotions seep out. Taryn knew that her father knew what was best for the family. With that being stated... She would keep Moreau's status a secret until he came too. Unfortunately, that would be the last night she would ever see her son. She died at the hands of an enemy before Money's resurrection. So you literally... You literally let your family mourn somebody who wasn't dead... You sat there at his funeral knowing that he wasn't dead. You watched people, you watched your closest kid, his closest kin, mourn him when he wasn't dead. And you watched. This wasn't on the end of that stupid ass book where they had to fake their own death in order to get out of town. Just to come right back. Like two weeks later. This was, maybe even less than two weeks, I don't fucking know. This was... Their brother. He's alive. He's in a coma. Don't tell nobody. I know I can trust y'all. Okay, cool. You know, we're good. If he's alive, that means that, you know, the, the, the Haitians didn't really do anything to him. Okay, cool. We're good. But no. Present day. I thought you were dead, Breeze continued as a single tear slid down her face. You know, they could have cut out that whole rest of that part of the story that I had to cut and paste in because they cut and pasted it in. They could have cut all that out and went back to five years before and just put that one small paragraph in there. They could have. Because anybody who's reading this fourth book has already read the first book. It isn't like people are just jumping on the fourth one. I would hope. I thought you were dead, Breeze continued as a single tear slid down her face. She felt her knees tremble and she couldn't believe what she saw. I was in a coma for five years. I'm here, Breeze. I'm not going anywhere, he whispered as he fought back tears. And also, he's walking pretty easily for somebody who's been in a coma for five years. His his muscles should have atrophied, right? Like he should be in physical therapy to build his shit back up? I talked about this on Hindsight when we did the Kill Bill episode, but... Beatrix Kiddo from the Kill Bill series is a fucking impossible white woman, a magical as shit, and that movie's like a goddamn comic book. This book isn't like that. So, he shouldn't be walking. He should be in a wheelchair at the very most. This isn't wiggle your little toe. Wiggle your little toe. Like, that's not how the fuck this shit works. I'm not going anywhere, he whispered as he fought back tears. He clenched his jaw, displaying the muscles in his jaws. That is so redundant. He then grabbed Breeze and hugged her tightly. He looked over at Lena, who had an expressionless face. Once his secret lover, she was now the mother of his child. A child he had no idea he had up until the previous night when Estes told him everything. He released Breeze and headed over to young Carter. Carter stood up and couldn't believe what he was seeing. Monroe embraced his only brother and hugged him tightly. I can't believe this, Carter said as he embraced Monroe. I can't either, bro, Monroe said. I can't either, bro, Derek said. They unlocked their embrace, and Carter immediately began to look into a man who resembled Mecca so closely. It was like he was seeing two ghosts in one person. How? I thought you were dead. I went to your funeral, Carter asked, trying to make sense of the situation. Nigga, you just faked a funeral. Don't play. You just did that. He wasn't dead while in that casket. You'd be surprised at the things people overlook while in the church. Like, is the body still breathing while in a casket? Uh, I think I'd be looking for that shit. I think I'd be looking pretty closely to keep my family from not being buried People assume that everything in the church is the truth. This made the deception fairly easy, Estes interjected. The explanation began to unravel and everyone in the room was astonished. We have to move forward. Enough about the past, Monroe said as he straightened up his tie and had a look of braveness on his face. He showed no emotion at all and his backbone was as straight as an arrow. He has worn the last name of Diamond with pride, just as his father had taught him. A lot of things to changed while you were away, Breeze said as she dropped her head, thinking about the death of her mother and brother Mecca. I have something to tell you, Breeze continued with water in her eyes. A tear was on the verge of dropping as she took a deep breath and closed her eyes. Why the fuck was Estes going after Mecca if he knew that Monroe was fucking alive? Breeze, I already know everything. Papa already told me everything there is to know. That's redundant again. However, I have to stay strong for the family, just like father taught me, Moreau said without a flinch. He had mourned in solitude and promised himself to stay strong for Breeze and carry on the cartel legacy with a straight back, just as father did. Yeah, you mentioned that. Straight back. Young Carter listened closely as he watched his brother display courage and strength. Monroe just dismissed the fact that his twin brother and mother had been murdered, and he was ready to jump back into the family business. Young Carter began to grow butterflies in his stomach, realizing that one day he would have to tell Monroe that he was responsible for Mecca's death. Nonetheless, now wasn't the time, and he was glad to have his brother back. Welcome back, bro. Welcome back, Carter said as he looked into the eyes of his only blood brother left. Monroe returned the gesture with a nod and charismatic wink. Monroe was back. Y'all can't see the side eye I am doing, but I'm doing a lot of them because this literally caused catastrophe within their entire family and it didn't need to happen. It didn't. Okay, so if Money, if they didn't decide to fake Money's funeral. Carter would have never been at the funeral when me and Moore came out there. There wouldn't have been no funeral for her to storm. And they wouldn't have seen each other and she wouldn't have known what Carter was affiliated with. And their relationship would have been just floating on down the path of just misogyny. If money had never... If they had never faked Money's death. I'm still... I'm sorry. Why the fuck did Estes kill or come after Mecca? He knew that the nigga was alive. How shitty a grandfather are you? Wait. Man, they should have never gave me access to the old books. Taryn had been worried all night about her only remaining son. She had gotten the news from her father that Mecca would be killed. She knew the rules to the game, but as a mother, there was no way she could accept the contract on her son. She tried her best to convince her father to call it off, but he wasn't budging. Y'all both knew. Y'all both knew. Estes knew that Mecca had kill- had shot, Money. I'm still saying killed. That he had shot money, but y'all both knew that he was alive. So for him to put a hit out on your son when he knew that he was alive was completely unnecessary. And as his mother, you should have checked your dad. I know it's scary, but you should have checked your father. We're not going to kill my son. My other son is still alive. We can work through this. Yeah. 916-633-1537 916-633-1537 Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com Ratchet Book Club on Twitter Ratchet Book Club on Facebook Leave a review on Podchaser Cool thing about it is you can leave a review for this episode Or for the show as a whole You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts And I guess on Stitcher I don't, I don't know Donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. You can also donate at buymeacoffee.com sscast. And you can, if you are listening to us on Good Pods, I appreciate it. Leave five stars and then go to the tip jar and donate to the show. All money goes towards getting books like this and movies for hindsight. I really do appreciate y'all. Y'all be good. I'm going to you later. Peace.